Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. Hi, and welcome to Stewing in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. And y'all, you guys already know, I'm back. Um, today we have a, a great guest on. Um, and so as, as you guys know, over the past year or so, we've, we've sort of stepped up our game. And so it's, it's, it's always going to be about telling the stories of women of color in STEM and giving you guys the safe space in which to do that. And you guys know we have told some, some fabulous stories on the show. But also, we want to make sure that we are bringing you experts, people who work in spaces and know things that we don't know. Um, we, we go from our experience, but these people have, have the experience, they have the knowledge, they've taken time to do some things, and they are experts. And so today is, is one such guest. Um, I have... I've slowly stopped her on LinkedIn. She just found that information out um, just now. Um, so I asked her to, to be a guest on the show. Um, so I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to mess up this last name, but I'm going to say it anyway. So you guys, welcome to the show, Katrina Stroll. Yes. Oh, I said it right. <laughs> so, so, so welcome to the show, Katrina. How are you? I am a little anxious. I'm so excited to be in front of a group of people that know the struggles that come with being a Black woman in any space. Um, so I'm really excited to see what I can bring to the show. Listen, I already know it's going to be, it's just going to be amazing. Um, I've seen some of your um, your stuff. Um, like I said, I'm, just a, I'm a little little stalkerish, um, just, just a little bit. Um, and listen to, to your um, your show. So as we do with every show, I, you know, this is, this is a show about storytelling. So um, it would not be stimming in stilettos if I did not ask you to tell me your story. So hi, everyone out there. I'm Katrina Stroll. I am a Navy veteran who served as an aviation mechanic, and I'm now a people consultant, psychological safety consultant, as well as a career coach. I'm really excited to um, provide examples of setting personal boundaries at work and the vocabulary needed to name harm in those spaces. And I hope I can do the same here. Man, like that right there is enough. <laughs> that right there is just enough. Okay, so I have questions. I have questions. So how did we end up in the in the what was the backstory behind going into the military? Just something you always wanted to do? Oh no, I was poor. So I went to college and um, after my freshman year, nobody tells you college costs a lot and you have to figure out a way to continue to pay for it. Um, my parents did not have money, so there was no other way. The recruiters answered me immediately. And so they shipped me off. Wow. Wow. I mean, I, you know, I know that to be true. That, that was one of those choices that I w it was so scary to me. And so I'll, I'll just speak from my my perspective. Um my my parents didn't have funds either for me to go. Um, so I took out all sorts of loans. That was the route I went. 
I'm not saying that's the route you should go because um, I feel like I'm still paying um, for that right now. Um, way, way past the time from, from graduation. So, um, and so, but I did look at the military and I, and my thought was like, I don't think I can do it. Like that was the whole thing. Like, I just don't think I can do it. And that was, and it was scary. Cause I was like, well, maybe I'm going to have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you thought, if you had similar thoughts. Um, I was never afraid of going into the military. I don't think I, I grew up around a lot of military personnel. Cause once again, I was poor. So there was only two ways out. You either did a whole bunch of stuff you're not supposed to be doing or join the military. So, okay. um, I wasn't afraid of joining the military, afraid that I wasn't going to be able to do what I wanted to do. I was studying civil engineering in college and wanted to stay in the same kind of realm. So aviation mechanics. Um, maintenance came up and I was like, okay, that sounds, I still get to get my hands dirty. And I took it as soon as I could. So, okay. So going, going a little delving deeper into that. So where did the, the, I, you know, like your thought that you wanted to be a civil engineer come from, um, in, was it, you know, somebody in high school or just, you saw something or you're just like, nah, this is, I think this is cool. So I actually wanted to be a mechanical engineer. I did, I did a lot of welding mm-hmm. and um, shop in high school. Um, I've always been kind of want to get my hands dirty, but they didn't have that available at the college I got accepted to. So I was like, probably the same, right? Civil engineering mm-hmm. mechanic. This not, do not do that. Um, so yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because I swear to you, I did not know what mechanical engineering is. That's what I majored in, in college. Didn't know what it was until my, so, I mean, sorry, my senior year in high school, when I took, um, I got accepted to inroads. Didn't know anything about inroads. It was one of those, my counselor was like, listen, I put your name in, um, in uh, I put your application in for this program and you got accepted. So you need to be here on a Saturday. Like that was, like he did all the work for me. And I go down there and the first day was them doing a deep dive into the different type of engineering. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, but lucky for me that, you know, engineering or mechanical engineering, my dad was a mechanic. So when you talk about taking stuff apart and putting stuff together, it's like, that was like the thing. So I was like, oh, that's the one I'm going to, that's the one I'm going to major in. I wouldn't tell anybody to pick their major that way. My, <laughs> it just happened to work out for me. <laughs> So, okay. So what was it like? So you stayed in college um, and then you, you did your time in, in the military. Well, how did, and so I guess I want to know how you made the switch to, from, from, from the military to like civilian life. Um, So I was actually medically retired from the Navy for a health condition. Transition happened fairly quickly. So I wasn't really able to make, um, sound decisions during that time, I would say. So all I had was my aviation background and my love of people. Luckily, Mm. I had a mentor very close to me. And she's like, you should think about HR, which is what I was able to fall into, into an internship and then um, eventually into a full-time position. So it was easy, but not too easy. Well, I mean, it sounds like life, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) so okay so what 
So you know something of the background of our listeners. You you've been in that world um, for you know a period of time and can speak to their experience. And so some of what we do here and what I really want us to sort of base you know base our conversation on is that I feel like there are sometimes women of color, right? Especially working in STEM spaces and tech spaces, um, the boundary lines don't get drawn. Right. Mm-hmm. They they just don't because we're trying we're really we're doing a, a multitude of things, mm-hmm. um, trying to fit in, trying not to stand out, you know, in other ways, <laughs> um, trying to do the job, trying to do the job. Right. So that kind of it's almost like we're susceptible to other the whims of other people. Mm-hmm. And oh. and and I yeah, I just I don't. And so that leaves us wide open for like no boundaries at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go into organizations thinking that, then of course you're going to be abused, taken advantage of, and discriminated against because you're believing, okay, I don't have any space to. For anybody that's out there listening, you have fucking space. Mm-hmm. Make that space. And if you feel like you don't have space, then that's probably not the space for you. <sighs> Yeah, swallow it, drink it, take it in, everybody out there. <laughs> I love that. So I I think that we need more of that. The idea that we have space, that we actually have agency also. Mm. You know, because I think that's another piece of the puzzle. Like you can't go in there thinking that you have nothing, right? Like you still are a, 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 a human being, right? Mm-hmm. With your own thoughts, feelings, ideas. You know, like you have boundaries, like, you know, you don't want somebody to touch your hair. You don't like it when, you know, they saddle up close to you. You don't like it when maybe you don't like it sitting with your back to a window. Maybe you don't like it when like, you know, there are things Mm -hmm. and you and you they don't they don't just you don't put them in a little pocket or put them in a box when you walk into work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and even if you do put it in your little pocket, please take it out every now and then and process it. I know for a lot of us who may be just starting out or just starting to set boundaries, we're like, okay, where do we start? Well, think about the things that are in your pocket that you're bringing with you and how you're feeling when people interact with you. Processing that really helps you to vocalize your boundaries. Ooh. Okay. So now say that again. So for people, people who didn't hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability process your emotions whenever you're interacting with any type of human being, whether they look like you or not, is what's going to help you set those boundaries and be firm in them. So the first time that I heard a microaggression, I did not have the terminology to kind of be like, hey, that was a microaggression. What the hell was that? Right. But I did feel it. I Mm -hmm. immediately was like, oh, do you want to (laughs) fight? I don't know what that was, but do you want to fight? Right. the ability to go back to your desk, have that one-on-one with yourself and say, okay, what was that? Let's write it down. Let's figure out how we feel right now. Why am I so anxious? Why do I want to bite that person's head off? And then the ability to go back to them and say, hey, what you did caused this emotion. Please don't do it again because I don't want to feel like that again. Right. Now, I think that is probably one of the most powerful things that anyone has said on the show. Oh, is being in a truth is because I don't think that we um, give each other permission, 
you know, ourselves permission mm-hmm. to feel the feels, feel, feel the thing, um, the slight, the microaggression, the thing that was said that you were like, that's so far, you know, like that's not who I am, but it's been, you know, that thing has been described or as, ascribed to you, it's been given mm-hmm. to you. Um, and you feel it like there's a there's a thing that happens. There's a reaction in your body when someone does something that is a boundary cross uh, moment. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think we give ourselves the time to really feel it and to say and to sort of have that self reckoning, which I love, by the way, um, and say, OK, I've acknowledged that that was a thing that happened to me. Or, or happened in my space, however you want to put that, whatever works for you, and then decide what you want to do about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I love that you use the word decide because all of these actions that we take forward are, are decisions we have to make. You can very well fight that person, but you will be out of a job probably. <laughs> you will uh have a hard time transitioning into the next role. And it's going to be really hard for you to kind of keep in contact with the. Katrina. So you were talking about um, j- deciding um, mm-hmm. that everything we do is a decision. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really, really love that you use the word decide, because even if you decided to fight that person or cuss that person out, that is going to have consequences following. You'll have to leave that job immediately, probably. And you won't have healthy relationships with the people that you actually did like there. It's going to be a really hard transition for you. So just think about the consequences of the decisions that you make. And even if you don't have that conversation with that person, you're going to feel uncomfortable around them for the formidable future, probably. So that's an interesting, just, just just that little bit that you said there. And I guess what came to mind for me was like, so let's just say you decide to not have a conversation with that person, right? And you have another interaction with them. Um, who, who's, does it, is it always your responsibility to, I want to say educate, but I'm not quite sure that that's the right word. Like you really want to tell them like you made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily a, it, it, it's not always a black thing or a racial thing or, or a, um, you know, an ethnic thing. It just mm-hmm. might be that you said something or you did something that was a personal boundary of mm-hmm. Natasha um, mm-hmm. and how to, how to have those conversations where, you know, like, it's almost like, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to tell him or her, blah, blah, blah. Like, how do you, how do we get past that mindset so that having the conversation with this person who has basically pricked a boundary or mm-hmm. obliterated a boundary mm-hmm. um, for you, they know that like, I'm reestablishing it, you know, I'm reestablishing like, so now it's one thing for you not to know and to do it. And it's another thing for me to have told you. And now, you know, and then you do it anyway. Like those are two different things and people need to acknowledge that. But mm-hmm. first we have to get the person who's been, who 
whose boundary has been, you know, moved <laughs> for lack of a better term to, to, to tell. So how do we get people there? So I think that's the mindset that a lot of us go through. Like, okay, I don't want to teach them about racism and all of that. And you do not. The only thing you are responsible for is yourself and your emotions and the sphere that you are in within that organization. Because your job description did not also have on there anti-racism educator or facilitator. That's not part of your job. But what is part of your job is to ensure that you feel comfortable in that space. So if somebody crosses your boundaries and it looks like a microaggression, simply say, hey, please don't say that again. It makes me feel uncomfortable. If they ask why, that's another boundary you can set. You can definitely say, I don't want to describe that to you or educate you on that subject, but please don't do it again. Now, I I love that. I personally um, and professionally love that because at some, I mean, I do, because because at at some point, people have to just respect, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like there's a certain level that says I I should be able to say, hey, a guy, lady, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. If I personally, you have violated this boundary that I've set, I don't like that. So Mm -hmm. if you're dealing with me, then don't do that, right? That's, Mm -hmm. it seems to me that that would be common courtesy, right? Mm -hmm. So once I've told you, like, I don't have to elaborate. I don't like, you know, you'd be like, I don't like that shit. <laughs> just don't like it. You know what I mean? Yes. So, so I love that you have said that. And, and that it's almost like that was an unleashing for me. It's like, you don't have to, there's, it's almost like the whole idea that no is a complete sentence. Mm, exactly. And it definitely is. And that's, that's why I'm so passionate about this work is because this isn't black woman work although this um my voice is black i am black i'm in a black body this is human work that i'm doing every single human on the planet should be able to set boundaries no matter what group they belong to now like i said you said a whole (laughs) word and spoke a whole sermon and i feel like we should pass the collection plate at this point um because i mean it's so so true and it's the i think this is the work that will help inform some of the other work that's that's happening. If we can get people to understand, like you just can't be out here trampling on folks' boundaries and then wondering like, you know, what? Why, you know, I don't know why she's so hostile to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, she set a boundary and you just obliterated it. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a risk, there's a there's a respect level that is missing in certain quarters. Mm-hmm. And some of it is I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say it's unconscious, but a great deal of it is conscious. And when when we use the word conscious and unconscious, what what a lot of people are using those words as synonyms for is it's unvocalized. So a lot of people belonging to marginalized groups have not vocalized their boundaries for a long time because of discrimination, because of racism. And now we are saying we don't give a fuck anymore. We're starting to voice our boundaries and we're expecting people on the other side to respect them. Um, I, for anybody listening out there who just may starting boundaries, expect that from them. They need to respect them. Yeah. And I and I feel like what the other thing we should expect from them is that there might be pushback, right? We, mm-hmm. I want to set people up for the, for the whole, whole thing, right? Set your mm-hmm. boundaries. Sure. Be vocal about them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but be willing or be 
not even willing, be aware that there might possibly be pushback Mm. because for a long time until recently and recently is relative. So we'll just leave it there. (laughs) Recently is relative. There, there hasn't been this grand idea that boundaries mattered so much Mm. or it wasn't vocal, a vocal like it is now. And so when they see someone who says, yeah, that's not cool. Don't do that again. It's shocking. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes the immediate is like, well, you know, she doesn't, he doesn't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I didn't do what they said I did. But, you know, so there's this defensiveness that happens where they want to, it's almost like they want to, the word is double down these days. He doubled mm-hmm. down on that. Um and it doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't and, serve anyone. And, which is why it's so important for us who are setting boundaries in those spaces to know about the array of vocabulary that comes with the territory of setting boundaries. And that includes manipulation, gaslighting, mm. and dismissive behavior. And it also includes abuse. If someone crosses your boundary multiple times after you've already set it with them, it becomes abuse and disrespect in the workplace. You have to make another decision on whether or not you want to continue in this environment. What is important to you? The livelihood that you live currently or the position that you're in or the relationships that you're in, which are turning abusive. And while I'm saying this out loud, I am not encouraging you to say, okay, yes, it is abusive here. I'm going to leave today. No, but if you find out that it's abusive, then you need to make a decision. Okay. I need to create an exit strategy. I need to prepare because this is what it is. I I totally agree. Um, So one of the, one of the, favorite, one of my favorite sayings um, came from, it's probably been said and reset so many, 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 many times over, but I actually heard, heard it from uh, one of the deacons at my church. And when he said it, it was like shocking. And then when it settled in, it was like, okay, this is true. And what he said to me was, and I can give you context later, but what he said to me was that people don't leave organizations or companies. They leave, you know, people quit people pretty much. He said, mm-hmm. they don't quit. They don't quit the place. They quit people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he said it, it was so, like I said, to, at the time, it was so shocking that I was like, what is this old man talking about? <laughs> right. I mean, true tea. I was like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But I got home later that night and I was like, no, he's right. Mm-hmm. There were full, full whole organizations, companies that I you know, enjoyed working for, like I, I enjoyed the work that I did there, but I could not work with the people. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, so then I had to do that analysis on the inside and say, oh, okay. It wasn't the company. It wasn't, you know, it was the people, right? It was mm-hmm. the, this group, this organization, this portion, the, the engineering group or the blah, 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 whatever. It was that group of people those individuals that made it impossible for me to stay at the company that I love their mission and their goal. And that's, that's so sad to hear because I hear it so often, but that's why it's so important to go into the door and know what do I want my direct leadership to look like? What do I want the people around me to look like or to um, act like? What does healthy relationships look like to me? What does healthy communication look like to me? That way, when you get into the organization, you can kind of see those red flags earlier, maybe in mm. the interview process, 
And you can be like, oh, no, nah, this is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, early. Early is better, right? Early is better. So I got a question for you. It, so like, let's just say I have made it through the hiring process um, and, you know, I'm on my first, let's just say my first week. Mm-hmm. What are some boundaries that I can set like from the beginning? Mm-hmm. So I should also add that I'm a domestic abuse um, advocate as well. So some of these boundaries that I say, um, they're they're both handed. You can use them in your personal life and your professional life. But mm-hmm. one of the boundaries I always set in new organizations is saying no. Um, so if for some reason in your first week, somebody asks you a simple task, just say no to see how your manager reacts to you saying no. If you say, oh, no, I won't be staying late on Friday, just a small thing, and they freak out and they say, oh, no, you're not a team player, then you know, wow, this is the type of environment I have moved into. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. And I, I promise you, I would have never thought to have done it. <laughs> <laughs> and while this sounds kind of manipulating on our side, it's just us trying to ensure that this is the environment we want to be in and that they're capable of me just simply saying no to a task. Yeah, no, I I, I really agree with this. Um, and it's a quick, it's, it really, I mean, listen, they're testing us as, as we're testing them. I mean, that's the truth of the matter, right? How many jobs do we know that says, oh, there's a, there's a 90 day probationary period, mm-hmm. right? There's a reason, you know, why like they do that before they, before your benefits kick in, like mm-hmm. really people, they want to make sure that you're going to stay or that they want you, they want you to stay. Mm-hmm. Like it goes, it really goes both ways. Y'all need to think it through. So you know, like while they're courting you or dating you, you need to be dating them too. Um, sit and making sure that those, you know, boundaries that, that um, you know, you need in order for you to feel safe at work, in order for your personal space not to be violated, in order for your peace of mind to co coexist, like you can walk in and not have to, like, I, you know, I was saying to Katrina earlier, um, not have to put on a mask when you walk into work. All of that's still true. So you you do the things, you put the boundaries in place and see how they react. There are going to be some people who will just step over it. Like there wasn't there wasn't a line drawn. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be others who be like, oh, no, she's she told me that that was she doesn't she's not going to go for that. She and they already know like they the way you set it or deliver it matters also. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's all of those things. <laughs> It is all of those things. Wow. Okay. So I have, I feel like I have a couple more questions in here. So I I really do want to know again. So like, let's just say again, first, first week thing, a first month thing, first, first couple of months thing. What are some other boundaries? I like the no one, like where you're sort of trying to uh, see how they react, but let's just say this, say, let's just say that they do have an adverse reaction to that small test. What are some steps you can you can take at that point to sort of extricate yourself? Or if you decided like, okay, I really like the company. Um, if there is some something where or some other thing that you can do or set in place where you feel you might be able to continue. 
You might be able to continue. So that would be using the support system that you have in place there. In the interview process, I always encourage my clients to ensure that they know who's in their support system at that place of work. A lot of people just think that it's their immediate manager and then HR maybe. Um, but you need to make sure that you have other lines of communication just in case those aren't healthy relationships. Say that your immediate manager was hostile to you after saying no. Who's the next person you're going to go speak to? It can't always be HR because as a lot of us know, HR is busy and they do a lot of stuff. But you do need to have it on document that you spoke to somebody else. Mm. So um, that's kind of boundaries that I ensure my clients have in place before they accept an offer. I need to know at least three other people around me that I can speak to if I have any of these instances occur. And I'd also like to see somebody that looks like me on the team. So these are boundaries that you can do preemptively Mm. or in the space after you've accepted the offer. Oh, I love those. Mm -hmm. And again, things that I wouldn't have thought of. So, because we uh, we as black women we get into spaces, then we immediately realize, oh shit, there is nobody that looks like me that would understand this. Mm-hmm. What I'm about to say out loud. <laughs> yep, I promise you, I understand. I mean, even today, this day, you and I are are, are talking. Um, I found myself in situations where I I was the first and the only. Um, woman of color in in a leadership position and and I and it literally just like I just looked around the other day and I was like man how did I miss this like I'm so busy doing the work that like I start looking around like I'm telling I'm, I was telling a joke and of course and it was like a situational joke um that any other probably woman of color would have gotten right mm-hmm. but everybody's looking at me like and this is funny how <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, I, you know, it's like, it's like one of those moments like, where it's like, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I got nothing for y'all. But I think that that's really smart um, for you to, for you to do that work um, up front and it'll, and it'll save you long-term. Like that's the, that's the thing that I'm really trying to do. So if we can set boundaries early and often, we can make sure that others know that others working in our spaces, whether that's our boss, our colleagues, or people who work for us, if they know what the boundaries are um, early um, and the expectations are, hey, this is a boundary for me, I'll respect yours or you, you respect mine. Like that's just, you would think that that would be um, just sort of the way we work. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you have to be very um, uh, vocal mm-hmm. about those things. And that's the other part that I really want women um to walk away from um you agree yes absolutely and honestly just using your newfound vocabulary is going to tell you whether or not they are capable of having a healthy relationship with you so if in the interview you say oh i have um very flexible boundaries and i'm willing to share them with you do you have any boundaries you'd like to share with me to the hiring manager or the immediate manager and they look at you dumbfounded like a deer at headlights and you know oh so y'all don't have boundaries here oh thank you i will not be working here exactly oh oh that's the y'all add this to your list of questions to ask to of the interviewer during the interview ask this is a question because it's real Mm -hmm. and so that way you already know like 
I don't know that I want to spend any more time with these here people <laughs> doing this here thing. Is mm-hmm. if they don't have boundaries, the expectations are is that you don't or you won't. Mm-hmm. And the minute you start setting them, you're going to become the difficult person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people phrase that question differently. I'm very direct with my boundaries. So that's how I phrase that. But some people say, oh, what does success, what does success look like here? Or how do you become successful here? And if they say, oh, you just grind and hustle and work 60 plus hours, you, you take notes. Oh, Lord, this is not. No, I cannot do that. Right. So I love I'm glad that you said it like that. So because I'm not sure that people understand that that's a boundary setting question. Mm-hmm. I think people are literally going in. Oh, so what does success look like? And people are like, oh, well, you know, we're this year we're trying to launch three, you know, three new products. And they're all in various stages of of development. Um, and we expect for you to just jump right in. You know, and, and and so and so you know, some of them might be like, "Oh, I'm excited about that," not realizing like, "Wait a minute, that means that instead of working 40 hour weeks, I'm going to be working 50, 60 hour weeks." That means that oh, they might call me in on a weekend to do a product launch or some mm-hmm. some such thing, you know. So so like, be smart about it. Um, but but this is information that you actually really need and can inform your choice of saying yes or no to moving forward with the, um, the interview process. Mm-hmm. And you used the keyword earlier. You said expectations. When you have your expectations laid out before you go into the interview, then you can kind of do just little check boxes on your paper. Just, OK, they work 60 plus hours. That's a no for me. They only have 50,000. That's a no for me. Um, the direct leadership does not look like me. So that's a eh, for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So these are a lot of expectations that you can set and check off as you go through the interview. Because just like you said, it's a two way street, a two way process. Now, the other thing is, is that I really want uh, I'm going to say it, but I need Katrina to say it, too, is that okay. it's it's really is OK for you to have these these expectations and these boundaries. It's OK. You should should is in all caps, y'all. Just imagine the should with all the all the letters capitalized, right? You should have expectations and you should have boundaries. It's fine. It's great even um, to to have them and to and to execute them. Mm. I will stop there. I will let Katrina talk. No, and to execute them. You can have those boundaries written down, those expectations written down, but if you don't execute them, um, then nobody will know about them and then you will just be tired and burnt out and everything, all the words that are negative with the experience there. Um, we're just here to help you. So please listen to these words. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. Okay, so um, Katrina, how can people, if people are looking for you and they will be looking for you after this episode, um, where can they find you? How can they, where can they find you? What's coming up next for you? Um, and if people, you know, is there a website? Is there, you know, I know you have, you're on LinkedIn, but is there Instagram and Twitter and is there YouTube and the, uh, tell us how we can get in contact with you. Um, 
My website is www.katrinastroll.com. All of my social medias are on there. So feel free to connect. I am always living on LinkedIn, but you can reach out and contact me through my website. And I hope to help as many people as I can. I'm pretty sure that you're going to get a couple of people who be like, I need to talk to her. <laughs> I need to talk to her just a little bit. Um, so, okay. So you guys, um, it'll, all of her contact information will be in the show notes. So, you know, that actually means you have to read the show notes. Just, just saying, read the show notes. Um, it'll be in there. Okay. So we always end the show um, like this. Uh, this is the final question. And it is, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give her and why? Oh, no. (laughs) I would definitely tell her that there are so many people waiting for you to be your full self that it's crazy. It's like, I don't know why you're not doing, oh my gosh, I don't know why you're not doing it sooner. There are so many people that need you to be your full self and um, just do it already. <laughs> oh, I love that. You, I can't even tell you how much I love that. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. You guys, um, that's, that's it for today's episode of Stimming and Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. I really want to take uh, the time, um, to thank you, Katrina, for being on the show and for just giving the most helpful and awesome advice, um, for my audience. I mean, I think this, this is a conversation that was so needed, um, especially as a as we enter into this next phase of whatever it is we're doing at this mm-hmm. very moment i feel like there's so many of us that are branching into new things going into new areas being highlighted and spotlighted but sort of you know in these spaces where um boundaries are a must mm-hmm. and so us having this conversation about them and how to set them execute them um, and that the need for them are is is just so high. And so I really thank you for just being so open and honest and be being so um free with your advice. And I I I can't even thank you enough. Oh, it was my pleasure. This is amazing. You're doing amazing work on this show, and I hope everybody takes something from it. All right, you guys. Um Again, that's it for Stimming Stilettos. You guys know where to find me on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and or you can find me always on my website at www.drtasha.com. Until we meet again, you guys, please keep yourselves safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stimming and Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stimming in Stilettos.